Lauren. Welcome back to my weekly show. I'm Father Roderick. It's a beautiful day. I just came back from a walk in the forest, and it was just gorgeous. It's springtime, and uh, it's getting warmer. The sun is shining more. We're heading towards Easter. I'm so glad that we have that. And we have that in, of course, addition of all the things that we worry about, the things that are going on on a global level. There is so much uh, darkness still in this world. And at the same time, there is beauty. There is nature. And just going out for a walk, even if it's just an hour per day, it just really helps me balance out my life. And, uh, and, and on every level, mental, spiritual, physical level, it is important to find that balance. And I hope that you can find the time to do the same. Just take an hour, maybe even wake up a little bit earlier. I try to do that every morning. Uh, just reserve one hour to establish the balance that will carry me, carry me through the day. And with everything that's going on on the global uh, stage I think we, we, we really need to um, spend some extra energy on self-care uh, because if we lose our balance, how can we bring balance to, to the world? I sound like a Jedi master here. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. They said Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. One of the advantages of the temperature going up and us heading towards spring is that it is less important to heat the house. Uh, I'm very happy to discover that because I've got a lot of windows, um, the house it gets very cold in the winter, but it also gets warm very quickly in the springtime. With the current prices of natural gas and, and fuel, um, I'm very happy that uh, that winter is behind us because I don't think these prices will go down anytime soon uh, with the situation, of course, in, in Ukraine. Um, but I am thinking really hard, how can I future-proof this house when it comes to, because I have to pay my own heating and electricity. And uh, I've already, of course, decided to get rid of my car, at least for the time of Lent and maybe permanently. So that saves me a really big amount of money every month. Um, but I'm also looking at the heating. Right now, this house uses gas to to heat in the winter. It's not very well insulated. Uh, the attic, for instance, is is open. Um, we put some insulation material on the on the ceiling, but the rest of the roof is it's just as cold inside as it is outside. Um, so I'm thinking, well, maybe I could explore installing a heat pump instead of a gas based installation. Um, that is a huge investment, of course. And since I'm just renting here, I will need to talk with the people of the parish to see if that is even, you know, an alternative that is that is uh, affordable. On the other hand, it could be another incentive to further insulate the house. And uh, the the better you do that, the more uh, return on investment you get from a, from a heat pump. But I have no knowledge whatsoever in that domain. So I'm currently watching a lot of YouTube videos with explanations and uh, just examining the the options here but i do hope that by the end of fall or maybe even at the beginning of fall because it can already ver get very cold around september october um that we will be able to put something in place that can uh reduce the costs because i i just don't feel comfortable being so dependent on fossil fuel uh with with these you know all these big global changes right now in the energy market and i think i'm not the only one in my country uh, there is a big push to you know get more independence from from natural gas and, and maybe also uh, in the end also from 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 oil um, and there is a, uh, a huge increase in people getting electrical cars um, and well i don't think i'm gonna get a new car anytime soon and th these electric Electrical cars are very expensive, so that's I, that's not within my means right now. But I still see, I already see uh, like this movement. There is change, and it is um, unfortunate that it is because of the uh, unstable political situation in um, in the eastern part of Europe that uh, that that we 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 have to do something. Otherwise, people won't be able to afford to to heat their their houses anymore. So this could. 
be a huge mover and mover and shaker for the entire energy industry. It's going to be very interesting to see how quickly the market and the economy can adapt to well the new situation in the world. How do you not like movies? They're predictable. Like the guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. Now I'm going to give it to you. We have another player in the streaming video market here in the Netherlands, and it is called HBO Max. For the first time in many, many years, HBO now has its own platform in the Netherlands. Um, they used to have a contract with a cable provider for at least five years, and they had exclusive rights to show Game of Thrones, which is one of the big um, series, of course, of, of HBO, and some, like a small selection of other HBO stuff. And uh, I guess HBO was just busy rolling out their subscription model in other parts of the world, and since we have a tiny country, we were not high up on their list. But now it is finally here, and they are offering a very affordable um, uh, subscription model. If you subscribe in March, from what I read, uh, you get 50% off for the duration of your subscription. And of course, the, the initial price is very low. Disney did the same thing. So you start at a point where it's a, almost a no-brainer. I think for an HD, they have like a, uh, a 720p, uh, subscription, which nobody wants to have, of course, because it's just DVD quality. Um, and then for one euro per month extra, you have um, HD quality and even 4K on some productions. So everybody's going to get that one. And uh, then over time, I think it costs four bucks a month, which is similar to uh, to Prime Video, to Amazon Prime. Uh, and and over time, of course, they will start to increase that price, just like Disney did, just like Netflix does now, almost on a yearly basis. Uh, but 50% off a price, you know, even if they go all the way up to, I don't know, 10 bucks a month, like, like Netflix, it's still with 50% off, it's only five bucks. So, yeah. I'm very interested in, in getting HBO Max. Also, because some of my favorite series are on HBO Max and are, have never been available in the Netherlands. I'm thinking of Young Sheldon, for instance. You know, I'm a huge fan of the Big Bang Theory. That disappeared from both Amazon Prime and uh, Netflix earlier this year. Now I understand why they wanted to put that under the umbrella of HBO Max. You've got Game of Thrones, of course, the sequel, or what is it, prequel to Game of Thrones? A house of something, I don't know, I don't remember, but they're working on something that is taking place in the same universe. Um, all the DC movies are uh, for uh, are available on HBO, including the Snyder Cut and Wonder Woman, as well as um, some of those, didn't they do series as well, DC series, The Flash, that sort of stuff. It used to be all available on, um, oh no, yeah, no, The Flash is, is DC, right? Sometimes I get confused. Yeah, no, it's DC. Um, it used to be available on Netflix, but Netflix has lost a lot of those exclusive rights. And so um, uh, HBO will have a, a nice start. They have a lot of co co very good series. Um, they've got, uh, what's that Mafia series again? Um, oh, it escapes me. It's this just big series that was super popular about a decade ago. The Sopranos. Uh, you've got Euphoria, which currently is um, uh, very popular. Um, Entourage, nine seasons. Uh, you name it. It's just incredibly interesting lineup of mostly television series and, and a couple of movies that are, you know, really, really good. So that's going to be my next... Uh, <laughs> my next subscription and i'm so glad that they give you that of course they want to get traction and the only way to do that with these thrifty dutch people is to undercut the prices of the competition which they have done now i think only amazon is still cheaper uh, but i wouldn't be surprised if amazon once they start the rings of power that amazon will up their prices as well because 
you know, it's the most expensive television series ever. Uh, so they've done huge investments. They need to somehow get that money back. And of course, Amazon itself is, is more than just their television department. So they will have a lot of other sources of revenue. But I don't think they want to continue offering Prime Video as a charity initiative. <laughs> they need to make money with that. It's a commercial enterprise. So I wouldn't be surprised if they also will up their prices. Disney has already done that. But for Disney, you know what? I'm, th I'm thinking you get so much back in return. I think that Disney is doing a terrific job with uh, their offering, especially when, when you're a Star Wars fan like me. Apple, Apple TV Plus, is also still very affordable. I don't know when they are going to up their prices. They still have very limited, a limited catalog. So maybe they'll just keep it at this. Apple, in the end, is in the business of selling uh, services. Uh, and and devices, but devices so they can hook you onto their services. But I don't think they have the the market share yet that will uh, enable them to to raise the price anytime soon. I think Netflix is the the one that is in danger because Netflix only has a few exclusives that people really like. They also have a ton of series that they just stopped. Like they wanted to do this reboot of of Cowboy Bebop or Bebop Cowboy. I'm, I'm not sure. Don't look nice. But then they canceled it after a season. They have a lot of like television series that only have one or two seasons, and then they just canceled the whole thing. They never wrapped up the story. You start to really um, see the the cracks in the Netflix armor. They used to be the biggest player, but I think they they're just trying to do too much. There is no focus. They go for quantity, but the quality is no longer there because all the quality movies are now moving to their respective. IP owners like HBO, like Disney, or uh, well, Amazon never really had any exclusive series on on Netflix. Um, Paramount is another one. Star Trek is starting to disappear from from Netflix. They still have, thankfully, the old series, but none of the new series are available. Paramount is going to also try to get a bit of market share in, in parts of Europe, but HBO is. I think undercutting what they are going to do, Paramount is not the smartest company. At least, they don't come across as being very smart. They seem a bit impulsive. They don't seem to have a good game plan. And I don't think that just having a few new Star Trek series will will do the trick for them. If they cannot at least get parity price-wise with, with HBO, I think they will never, ever get a hold on the Dutch market. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. But if I look at the prices for Paramount Plus in other countries, there is no chance in the universe that they will get any traction here. Um, we'll see. It's a new market economy. Nobody knows exactly where this is going to end. It is a little bit um, uh, discomforting that it, we only have these big players and everybody wants to become like market the dominant uh, platform on the market but the the market at least here in my country is too small and at one point people are just going to stop getting subscriptions because there are so many other costs that are still rising with the inflation and everything well you know almost anyone who is listening to this podcast has the same problem the prices are going up all these subscriptions are going up and up and up and then at one point you're at the at the you're at a uh, at a point where you have to make choices and then it of course requires them to have something that you don't want to miss for me that's star wars there's no way in the world that i am ever going to get rid of disney because i want to see anything star wars related so for them that is a crown jewel maybe Lord of the Rings will do that for Amazon. But Netflix? What do they have? Squid Games? Eh. <laughs> I don't think that's enough. So there is not one single unique intellectual property of Netflix that makes me think I need to have a permanent Netflix subscription. And it is one of the most expensive subscriptions right now. HBO, maybe over time... Um, it's something that I will watch for a couple of years and then maybe I'll, maybe if they don't do anything exciting in the future, I, I may lose that again. Um, I don't know. Apple TV, um, that is a big contender for the, for, for one of the top three places in, for my, for my behavior. I, I really love Ted Lasso. As long as they keep doing that, I want to see that. I love those new series that I've been, uh, reviewing this month. 
um, uh, suspicion and uh, severance. Those are just complete surprises to me. They're unique. Um, very, very good storytelling, beautiful uh, cinematography. If Apple can continue that the winning uh, strike, or what is it, uh, this this winning um, series, coming up with these these unique stories that people will want to watch, I think they will. But they will keep me as a customer. Let me know what you are subscribed to right now, and uh, if you said goodbye to some of these streaming platforms and why. Um, I'd love to have your opinion on that because after all, I'm also serving you and you'd like me to continue to review series, but if I don't have access to some of those platforms, then I, that's why you'll hardly ever hear me talk about Star Trek. I don't have access to to uh, to Paramount+. Plus. It's not here yet. So I do get a few, you know, I've seen a few episodes of Prodigy, but it's not something I'm following from on a week week to week basis. Even though I'm a huge Trekkie, so that already feels a bit wrong. Like I, I miss talking about Star Trek. I love doing that, but I can't because it's just not available. Same was the case with a lot of HBO stuff that that large parts of the world were were following and were super enthusiastic about, and I I just couldn't couldn't watch it. Uh, oh. Complicated times, and at the same time, man, we've we've been we're so spoiled right now. There's just so much cool content uh, available, even for free, on on YouTube um, and on on other streaming platforms that are just for everyone. You now, look look at what what TikTok is doing right now. They're giving creators the option to make ten minute long videos. You can totally tell that they are they have a game plan for the long term. They know that with these 60-minute short videos, that's going to pass. Even Instagram with their reels. No, not Instagram reels. They had this specific platform and they killed it. They also wanted to do a a TikTok clone and it didn't work out. And I think that YouTube, they're trying to do these shorts. I don't think it's ever going to be successful as long as TikTok is their competition. And TikTok is never staying put. They're constantly innovating. So I wouldn't be surprised that in a, in a while TikTok will be a, a the dominant platform, maybe even bigger than YouTube, because that's where the creators are. And Apple knows this. Like, unlike any other you know big company, Apple knows that I, they need creators. That's why they always invest in in developers. If you have the developers, if you have the content creators, you have a future. If you just have a cool platform, you can be replaced. Anyone can just steal the concept and can create something better. But if you have creators and you can bind them to your to your platform, then you know you're you're basically you're good for for the near future. <laughs> Catholics rock. It's time for a short visit to the Peculiar Bunch. This is the place where you can ask anything you always wanted to know about Catholics, but you were afraid to ask. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? I'm getting pilgrimage butterflies. (laughs) I don't know if that's a term, but I want to go on a pilgrimage and I want to talk about it here. Man, you guys got more crazy rules than Blockbuster Video. If you've been listening to uh, my other show, The Walk, you may have heard me talk about uh, plans for documentaries and what am I going to film. And I have a few ideas of what I would like to do. But a number of those documentaries, those bigger documentaries about Tolkien or about the big storytellers, um, that takes a lot of preparation. Plus, you need good weather, (laughs) which is right now still a little bit too early in the year. So... That is not something I can immediately do. I was also thinking, can I do something right now? Can I go on a journey and film it and turn it into a documentary? What kind of stories do I want to tell? And immediately I was thinking back of that wonderful journey that I took when I walked all the way from Lourdes to Santiago. That was such an amazing time. I had such a blast sharing that, even if it was just through some very mediocre vlogs and halfway through the process I stopped vlogging but we're years later we're five years later now this could be the moment to redo a trip like that but then do it properly and bring a drone with me and maybe organize it a little bit better so that I can actually 
make you know content that is on TV level uh, and, and share that with you. So I was thinking I should go on a pilgrimage. Also, because during a pilgrimage, um, it's much more than just going as a tourist and visit a city. I could, of course, go back to Rome and just make a few documentaries in Rome or, or do a few reports, a few interviews. That's easy because I know the way. But at the same time, I've been there so often that it doesn't really challenge me. And it's not adventurous enough. So I'm thinking, could I do another pilgrimage in Europe? It has to be close by. I can't really go very far. Um, the world is still, you know, too unstable, I would say, to uh, to undertake uh, something too ambitious. But I was thinking, you know, I would love to go back to France. Uh, that is a country that I know very well. I love it. It's a country with a great Christian heritage and, and beautiful nature. So that would be an option. Um. I, but then, you know, where do you go on a pilgrimage? Lourdes kind of makes sense. There are some other old places of pilgrimage um, that I could walk to. What I would prefer to do is to actually walk on a pilgrimage route. So one of the ideas that I had is why don't I just close the circle? I've now done the trip from Lourdes to Santiago. But I still have to do the the journey from home to Lourdes. So maybe that is a, a, a nice project. Or to walk to Assisi in Italy. Advantage? I'm in Italy. <laughs> What's not to like? The weather is already very nice in Italy. Uh, be- beautiful nature, rich history. Um, that is an option. Although I have already been in Assisi before, so it's not something I'm going to discover. I could also go back to Santiago and walk in Spain. But then instead of walking the same uh, itinerary that I did five years ago, I could, for instance, do part of, of an older uh, pilgrimage route and, and, and see if I can approach uh, Santiago from either from the south, starting in Seville, or from the north. The, 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 there's a northern route. There are so many options. Or I could just go to Ireland, Ireland has been closed because of COVID for, for, for two years now. And it's a, an amazing country. I love Ireland. It's an amazing... I mean, there's so much beautiful nature, friendly people, uh, a rich history. Um, it's, a, it's the country of stories and mythology. Um, Scotland, same thing. You know, Scotland is a bit more difficult now that the UK is no longer, uh, you know, because of Brexit, it's not an easy country to travel to. Um, on the other hand, many people do it every day, so it's not impossible. It just requires a bit more preparation. But I'd love to go back to Scotland. There are so many stories that I could tell there. Although I've just finished these documentaries about Scotland, so maybe it's time for something different. Um, yeah. If you have any ideas, if there are any places of pilgrimage where you think, oh, Poland, maybe Poland is an idea because I've got a lot of uh, Polish followers, uh, especially on YouTube. And Poland is one of those countries where uh, after after I visited Krakow because of World Youth Days, I felt like I've only seen 1% of this country and it is such an amazing country. Such a, a, an interesting culture, of course, deep Catholic roots, um, a, a wide variety of cities and nature. The only problem is <laughs> I don't speak Polish and uh, I feel a little bit lost when traveling to Poland. I, I'm not sure if, if it's an easy country to go to and, and film, but maybe I'm wrong. Let me know on the Discord server if you're a patron or on social media. Um, I think these Podcasts are also posted uh, automatically on Facebook. So you can also leave a comment on Facebook. If you have any suggestions of what could be my next pilgrimage destination, I would love to hear it from you. And I think this would be wonderful content also to share on a separate YouTube channel. I'm not going to put this on the Star Wars channel, but um, I've, I've been working on you know getting a second channel, which is just a travel channel, discovery, you know, more of a documentary. I'm not going to put the documentaries on YouTube. Um, but I could definitely put the behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, the, the actually the journey uh, that I undertake to make these documentaries. That's something that I think lends itself very 
well to a YouTube channel because it can combine both the, the discovery travel aspect as well as the technical aspect that a lot of people are interested in. How do you film this? And I've got a lot of stuff to share that I've never been able to share on my other channels. I'm, I'm not going to use this podcast to give you instructions on how to operate a camera. <laughs> that, that is something visual. You want to show that while you're doing it. So anyway, let me know what you think. Um, you know where to find me. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? In this week's book section, I want to review a book I read uh, a while ago, written by Chris Bailey called Hyperfocus, How to Be More Productive in a World of Distraction. Now, this sounds like one of those productivity books, you know, how can you maximize your output? And I've always been intrigued by ways in which I can get a little bit more efficient, but that's also one of my... uh, One of the traps. It's a trap. (laughs) Because it's not just about being as efficient as possible. It's always a challenge to kind of maximize your days. But the one of the things that I need to learn is to choose, is to not try to pursue everything and just try to get more and more efficient, cram everything into these days, and then burn out completely. This is one of the reasons that I'm so happy to have this... um, uh, this, this board of wise people that are helping me to to discern what I should do and which projects are nice, but they have to be on a list and certainly not in my calendar. Um, because, uh, and I was I was talking about how I was uh, uh, trying to do more batch processing of and, and batch production for the YouTube channel, for the podcast uh, with the board. And then uh, Michiel, who's one of the uh, board members, he's currently the, the head of the board, he said, do you hear yourself talk right now? He said, you're constantly talking about how to become more, even more efficient, even though you already work in a very efficient way, to maximize even more your time so that you have more room to work even harder? That is probably not the best thing to do. And you know what? When he was telling me that, I was like, you're totally right. <laughs> that is so true. Um, this, I, and, and it's this drive of, you know, it's never enough. I always want to do more. I want to be useful. I want to serve my community. But I often forget myself in the process. And he was warning me against that. It's like, sure, that's fine. It's great to hear that you found ways to be even more efficient. But don't use the time that you free up for more work. Because that's not what you need, need right now. You need more margin. You need more room to think, to live. We don't want you to work day and night. That is just as a board member, I, I don't want that because it's unhealthy and you'll burn out. So, yeah. When I was reading the book Hyperfocus, I was quickly reassured that this was not a book about how to maximize your time, how to be produce even more. But Hyperfocus in this book is more about how can you um, make sure that when you are working, you are... Um, maximizing your your talents your um well your focus how can you make sure that if you work you do it with your full attention and it uses a lot of more recent research that was done in you know brain research of how we divide our time and energy in the various tasks that we do and the book is very much advocating that you don't try to do too much at the same time. That you take uh, out of your life all these distractions. Um, and, and one of the chapters, in one of the chapters, he explains that if you, for instance, have a phone that has all these notifications, or worse, a phone that is linked to your to your uh, watch, and your watch starts to fa- vibrate, and constantly you're watching these text messages or WhatsApp posts or whatever, um, you think that you're multitasking. But in fact, you're completely jeopardizing your focus because every time you get distracted, if you are distracted by someone else, so for instance, you work in a company and people are just allowed to walk in, into your office and they ask you a question, you may think, well, hey, that only takes me five minutes to answer that question. I'm glad to, to help. I want to keep my door open. 
But the, the fact is that it takes about half an hour to, to get back to that state of hyper-focus where you are fully concentrated on your work. So that one five-minute question of that person takes away half an hour of, of focused work, which means that you, it will take you more time to finish your task or the quality will suffer. And it's even worse if you distract yourself. And this is based on research that, that he's quoting. If you decide yourself to go browse Facebook or Twitter while you are actually supposed to be focused on your work, it takes sometimes more than 45 minutes to get that focus back, to get into, into the zone. And so the book is, is advocating create hyper-focus by getting rid of all these distractions and also by making sure, and this was the big eye-opener for me, to make sure that you have a lot of time off because it's during the breaks that your mind can restore itself. And this is literally a, like a biochemical process. You need, after 90 minutes of work, you need to take at least 15 minutes, preferably even 20 minutes, for a break. And most people, especially the workaholics, feel very guilty if they take a break. It's like, this is supposed to be my work time. I'm supposed to work. I need to focus here on work. But he says, the, Chris Bailey says, you should feel guilty if you don't take a break. Because if you don't take a break, your overall focus will start to waver. You'll get distracted. You will lose that zone that you're in, that this... this, this um, uh, wave of creativity, etc. So you, you're just hurting your own productivity and the quality of your work. And then he says there's also the opposite of hyperfocus because the first part of the book is just repeating a lot of things that I've already read in various other places. So it's not nothing new. It's just interesting to see that he puts it all together and advocates like when you work, make sure that you focus and don't try to multitask. Don't try to you know stay in touch with everything it's totally okay to miss a few phone calls or to miss uh some get rid of all the all the meetings any meeting that doesn't have a calendar or an agenda skip it say well politely refuse to partake in it because it means it's just a distraction your focused work is more important than that so that's all familiar. Then the second part is becomes very original. He says there is also the opposite of hyper focus and he calls it scatter focus and these are moments during the day where you allow your brain to just go into this free flow mode. And he says you can do that by going for a walk, playing even a like a relaxing video game or something like that, or just listening to some music, closing your eyes, and just let go of any control. Don't try to be focused, but do the opposite. And, and he says if you have the right balance... Uh, and if you alternate that with periods of hyper-focus, you will see that those are the moments that your create the creative part of your brain starts to form connections. And for creativity and problem-solving uh, um, abilities of your brain to get to their full, you know, to their full capacity, um, you need to let go of of control. And uh, but. He says also you have to prevent yourself from wandering in any direction. So he advocates for both the moments of hyper-focus and also for the moments of scatter-focus where you basically let your brain just go in any direction. And, and you, you can even tell your brain to provide you with answers. For instance, one of these questions that I asked a little bit earlier in this show, what kind of documentary should I make? Should I go on a pilgrimage? You could just take a session, like go for a walk in the woods, and before you start, you tell your brain, I want you to think about possibilities. And maybe 9 out of 10 are rubbish, but there may be this one idea. I'll give you permission to just go in free flow mode and come up with a solution to this question. And very often, if you practice this, um, and you also give yourself regular reminders. So he says, says you should actually have like a, an alert one of the only alerts that you should have, or maybe a habit, install a micro habit of every maybe four times per day 
you do a very short one minute assessment where am i what where's my brain right now am i in hyper focus if i'm distracted what i am what am i distracted by if i'm in scatter mode am i truly still in this creative mode or am i still secretly just doing something to distract myself and 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 not be creative so he's always like Observe, and this kind of joins a bit that mindfulness discussion. Uh, learn to observe your your own brain activity, um, and the more you do that, the more you will understand your own personal kind of rhythm. So most people work in these ninety minutes intervals. Even our sleep works like that. You know, every sleep sleep cycle is about ninety minutes. Uh, and so it makes sense during the day to also take that as a, like the maximum amount of, of hyper-focus or scatter-focus. And then take a break. Do something completely different. Don't feel guilty about it. Praise yourself every time you take a break because it is helping your brain. And the more you understand, for some people it will be different. Some people will just need more breaks or, or uh, are able to focus for longer periods of time. That's pretty rare. Um, but the more you become aware of how your brain functions, the more you will also be willing to implement these strategies to, well, get the, make the most out of the hours that you work. And he also really advocates, advocates against working overtime or filling your evenings with hidden work, you know, where you say, well, I'm not really working, but I still have the boss on my phone, you know. Uh, he says, if, if you take time off, um, it is all restoration of your brain but the, the, the reason that people feel guilty of taking for taking breaks or taking a day off is because they feel like during the day they're constantly distracted they don't get anything done and that is because they don't do their work with enough hyper focus so the more you focus on the work you do the better the output but also the more uh, you can allow yourself to take breaks. And it's it's learning this new way of working. I really thought this book was very inspirational, even though a lot of it was still, was not new. But to see it all together in this, this and I love this this idea of both hyper-focus, scatter-focus. I'm thinking, yeah, that totally suits me. This is how I function. I need, if I'm editing a television episode, I need super focus. And I can, I really hate it when someone just, all of a sudden calls me up or 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 my my wrist watch or whatever the my my footsteps tracker starts to buzz because there's a um, a whatsapp message and i forgot to turn off the notifications there um it takes me out of that concentration but i also know that i need those walks in the morning where i don't have to do anything it's not about running it's not about kilometers it's just i need to be in the woods here because i know that this does something with my brain and it gives me a certain time to be creative and uh, explore new ideas and I can't do that behind my desk in front of the computer it doesn't work like that so that's what I wanted to share with you again the book is called Hyperfocus How to Be More Productive in a World of Distraction the author is Chris Bailey um, and you can just look at my Goodreads account if you want to read my review that I posted there so that's Goodreads and just look for Father Roderick. A scientifically wonderful world of science. What sort of science? Welcome back, science friends. Dinosaurs in Scotland. I already love Scotland for so many reasons. And now there is an extra reason to love Scotland. Because apparently they harbor the biggest <laughs> pterodactyl uh, fossil ever found. Or actually not a pterodactyl, a pterosaur it's unpronounceable a pterosaur dinosaur fossil was found by paleontolo paleontologists in scotland uh, the skeleton of the prehistoric flying dinosaur was found on the isle of sky one of the most beautiful places of scotland i visited once and i only saw half of the island and if there's one thing that is in the top three of places to visit, the next time I travel to Scotland, it is the Isle of Skye. Um, this discovery indicates that the fossil, the fossil size belongs to a new genus of the pterosaur dinosaurs from the Middle Jurassic era of Scotland. Um, this uh, fossil was discovered... A while ago, in 2017, right before the corona crisis, uh, by a student 
during a field trip on the island. And um, Penny, or Amelia Penny is her name, she noticed a jawbone of a dinosaur protruding from the rocks. And then they started to, you know, examine it, and it turned out that this is an extremely high-quality fossil. Um, and it is also one of the biggest that they've ever found. The ter- pterosaur, also known as the pterodactylus, dactyl, dactyls, the pterodactyls, <laughs> These names is the largest among the winged reptile dinosaur kins found during its time. It had a wingspan reaching up to two and a half meters. That's 8.2 feet. It is only the albatross comes close. So it's a mess. It's almost like a small airplane. And so they've only now published the final result of all that research and they dug up the entire uh, fossil. And what's interesting is that not only is this a new genus of the of the pterosaur, so they never found uh, a fossil of the same, that exact type of, uh, of flying dinosaurs, um, but they also know that this is one of probably many fossils in that same area. Apparently, there are many other fossils that are also very well preserved. So this is opening up like a whole treasure trove of, um, uh, of, of potential research. And this, so this animal that they found, um, even though it's already one of the largest um, skeletons they found, it was probably not even a full-grown dinosaur. Um, so who knows what else they're going to discover. Uh, and apparently the, um, the, the overall nature or the, the, the climate at the time in Scotland um, was, was just making that it had a huge prolific <laughs> population of, of various dinosaurs over time. And uh, um, I, I can't wait to, to, to see what else they will discover in the, in the ground. Maybe that's another thing I should put on my list if I go there. I want to visit some of these sites and talk to some of these archaeologists. Uh, I love already studying like these early settlements. Um, there's a, such a rich history in, in Scotland. And one of the big advantages of Scotland is that it is so sparsely populated. So it's mostly nature. And a lot of this nature is still more or less the same as it was for thousands and thousands of years. Um, you don't You don't have that in other countries. There's always industry and cities especially here in the netherlands every square centimeter is used for our population or for um the cows or or the tulips um but in scotland you have just just these massive regions where almost no one lives and so you can still find some stuff there anyway wanted to share that with you i think it's amazing we are on the cutting edge of technology wow well what does that mean plug it in it's going to say hey i see you plugged in a new device and it's going to load in the appropriate drivers you'll notice that this scanner built whoa well all your technology stuff it just ends in disaster but there is one more thing as you know i'm a bit of a weird genius myself i am both a fan of star trek and i am a fan of star wars uh (laughs) I really, really like Apple and what Apple has done with the iPhone, with the iPad. I'm a, I'm a massive fan of my big iPad. I, I can't imagine life without my iPad. It's my go-to device f- for, for media browsing or media consumption. But at the same time, I also love what is possible on my Android phone. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued by the, you know, tablets with Android, even though that's never been a, a, a very good combination. But apparently Google is now finally um, working on, on, on creating a version of their operating system that w- will work better with, with uh, tablets. Um, and I love the integration between Windows, Windows 11, and Android. So in the future, you will be able to run Android programs on in, just within Windows, and I'm already doing that with a BlueStacks emulator. So, for instance, um, I use this Storytel um, 
service for my audiobooks, it's kind of like Audible. But uh, they don't have a client on a PC. I don't know why. Maybe it's for copyright reasons that they don't want people to just just steal the content. Um, but I have a lot of time that I spend in front of my computer where I'm just doing mundane tasks like editing or sometimes even just playing video games. Um, and I, I kind of want to listen to an audiobook while I'm working on the PC, but there is no player. Well, I just launched Bluestacks, which is a free emulator, and I log into my Google account and I just download the phone app and I play audiobooks in the background and it works fantastically well. So... I don't know if I can ever go back to one ecosystem. And I know that some of you are totally inside the Android ecosystems and others are totally Apple entirely. Everything is Apple in their house and they're very happy with that. I'm kind of in the problematic situation that I want to use both. Both ecosystems have their uh, unique uh, talents and abilities uh, software, especially Apple, has just amazing apps that are not available for Android. And Apple, of course, has just superb cameras and uh, just a really nice workflow. <laughs> but I don't want to be limited to Apple. And there's always a problem of how do I get the Apple content onto my PC? Just even getting video material from the iPhone onto my PC is, it requires way more work than... Um, than with Android, so I I just I'm I'm very tempted to get an 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 iPhone as my next phone, but I would miss the integration with the Google Play Store and uh, uh, all the stuff that I can do with my Android phone that I can't do with an iPhone because of its closed ecosystem. So maybe I will have to find a like a, a middle way and get maybe one phone specifically for video production. That would be an iPhone because I think there's just what Apple does with video is unparalleled. Um, I don't think there's... Even though there may be some Android phones that have very good cameras, the problem is with Android phones is that there is just so much built-in obsolescence. After two years, you don't get any updates anymore. I think maybe for some devices now it's three years. And even if there are new versions, like for instance, I've got this Asus Zenfone 6, um, I don't get the newest Android version anymore. Whereas with Apple, (laughs) even my iPhone 6 is still very much usable. It doesn't get the latest iOS uh, version anymore, but I can still download about 70% of the apps in the App Store. And I'm talking about a phone that is almost 10 years old. I still use it as my my um, my YouTube device. I don't know if you know that, but when I do these Star Wars videos, I want, well, I've started to script those videos. And so I'd use a small Chinese teleprompter uh, or auto-cue, depending on where you live. Uh, and, and it reflects the screen of my iPhone, and I'm still using this uh, this app from the App Store that is not available for Android, and it's just the best um, uh, teleprompter auto-cue software that I've ever seen. It's even a- able to, to, to listen to me and then scroll as I read. It's amazing. So I just type my text, and then I... So I, I look into the camera and the camera is filming through this slanted 45 degree angle mirror or half mirror. So for the viewer, it looks as if I'm just looking at them. But I can see in front of the camera is this, this scrolling text. And the problem, of course, is that normally a, an auto cue, either in television, there is someone who actually uh, will, will make sure that the scrolling matches the reading speed of the speaker or... You just have to speak very quickly, but you can't really stop when you. Sometimes I, I have that all the time with the, those those scripted videos. I mispronounce something, or I feel like I do have to start again, and then it's such a hassle to put your finger on the screen and scroll back. The thing is with this app, it can also I can put it in a mode where it, it listens to me. and it knows where I am in the text, and it will start scrolling if I'm, you know speeding up or slowing down it will adjust the scrolling i've never seen something like that on android so 
I just wish there was a universal emulator or something like that, but I don't think that Android or Google or, or Apple is interested in making something something like that. But um, I, I think there is there's something unique about both operating systems, and I don't think I could do my work just being in one of those two ecosystems. But it gets a bit annoying when we're talking about a phone because I don't want to walk around with two telephones in my pocket. So maybe I should just use the Apple one for creation. By the way, who needs a phone? I never call people anyway. <laughs> people call me, but I I don't even have an icon of the phone on my home screen. That's how 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 often I use the, the phone function of my phone. But I do use it as a communication device to post stuff. Um, and when it comes to Apple, I use it a lot for creative production. So maybe that's what I should do. Just not consider it to be a phone, but just consider it to be a super highly portable camera. Maybe that's how I should approach it. <laughs> if you are one of those, you know, bi- bilingual uh, tech enthusiasts and you have any advice uh, or, or, or tips on how you manage that, let me know. I'd, I'd love to hear it. And with that, we've come to the end of this episode. Thank you for uh, the privilege of your time. Um, I hope you uh, stay in touch with me through social media. If you want to support what I do, check out patreon.com slash fatherodrick. And you'll get access to Discord server and to a number of weekly podcasts that you can't get anywhere else. That's for my patrons. And if you are already a patron, thank you so much for your support. And you can look forward to another episode of Father Roderick to the Max. So podcast is very much like this one, but we talk about totally different things. This week in uh, Father Roderick to the Max, we'll talk about uh, how... Walking can help you with stress and anxiety. Uh, I talk about vegan cooking, (laughs) about how you can hack Harry Potter. (laughs) Yeah, you'll have to listen to know what I'm talking about. And um, we'll talk about world building in fantasy literature and an issue that I have with some MMORPGs in virtual reality. All that and more in Father Roderick to the Max. Available to my patrons over at patreon.com slash fatherodrick. See you later. Talk to you later. Have a blessed week and take care.